What's up, everybody? It's All-Star and World Series champ Nick Swisher here, and I'm stoked to tell you about my new podcast, The Nick Swisher Show, right here on Podcast One. If you know me, you know I've worn a lot of hats in my career, and each one of them has had highs, lows, and a whole lot of learning in between. And that's exactly what I'm bringing to this podcast. You're going to get crazy interviews with athletes from their struggles to their successes and all their unbelievable superstitions along the way. You're going to hear from hometown heroes that are stepping up to the plate and making positive change and influences in their communities. I mean, we've got scientists, coaches, comedians. I'm telling you, whether you're an athlete, a parent, a coach, or just looking for a little energy in your life, then Home Plate is right here. It's old school soul with new school vibes. It's the Nick Swisher Show, coming soon wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Podcast. Uh, we do enjoy doing this podcast. We appreciate you all being here. Any suggestions for guests, uh, send me over to contact at drdrew.com. And, of course, uh, I think fans of the Dr. Drew Podcast would like these Wednesday streaming shows we've been doing with Dr. Kelly Victory. Man, have I learned a lot talking to people over there. We have been, uh, again, you can, it's at 3 o'clock Pacific time. You can find it at drdrew.tv. And we have been interviewing, you know, the infamous folks. People have been silenced. And to me, the post child for all of that is Jay Bhattacharya, who's the most eloquent, brilliant guy. And the fact that he was silenced tells me everything I need to know. And it's what made me curious about some of the other people. And I've talked to some very interesting people with some very interesting ideas. It's helped me put to pieces together what we've all just kind of been through. It was very confusing. We were in it. It didn't fit. It was not making sense to me. It didn't fit anything about medicine or my understanding of how things should be done. And now I'm starting to understand what happened and sort of why it happened. So we're getting into that. So do check that out. We also do streaming on Tuesday, Wednesday, and with Tuesday and Thursday as well. And on those shows, I take calls off of Twitter Spaces. So if you want to call in and talk to me, I'm happy to do that in real time, three o'clock Pacific time, most Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, yeah, don't forget all the fun over at your mom's house. So there we are. We'll look for Dr. After Dark there. Today, uh, this should be an interesting conversation. This is something I've been wanting to get into for a while. I'm not sure where we're going to go with this conversation, but uh, this guest sent us an email. and I thought, I, I want to know more about this. I, there's something here that I want to explore that I don't think we've ever been able to sort of get at. Maybe I'll find other ways to get at it as well. It is Jill Renee Feeler. JillReneeFeeler.com is where you can go. That's her website. Renee is R-E-N-E-E, Feeler, F-E-E-L-E-R. Instagram, Jill Renee Feeler. To YouTube, Jill Renee Feeler. So you can find her in all those places. But we're going to talk about intuition. We're going to talk about transcendence and intuition and this phenomenon of what we as humans are capable of as it pertains to tuning into things that are maybe outside of direct consciousness or cognition. I'm not, don't even, I even have a great language for this yet, but let's see if Jill does. Jill, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So talk to me about what you do and how this happened to you. Yeah. So what I do is I offer readings, I offer messages, um, I offer courses to really help us reorient who and what we are as humans and I know that can sound so strange. And I'm there's a part of me that's kind of bothered by the language too, that we don't have great language for this. But how I got into this, I my upbringing was very kind of mainstream and normal. I didn't believe in psychics. I didn't even know the word channeler. I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, 
very type A, very overachiever type. I have my MBA and I double majored in my undergrad. And I was hosting, my family and I were hosting a father's, I think it was a father's day get together. And my sister-in-law, who is much more, let's just say relaxed, but also type A, she said, you look extra nervous. I mean, like extra stress, what's going on? And I said, well, I've got this opportunity. I might be the CEO for this green company, but I'm not sure. And my girls are so young. And she said, you should go see my psychic. Hmm. <laughs> and I just what did you think of that? What did you think of that recommendation? <laughs> Dumbest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, thanks, Julie. You know, and I was like, oh, thanks, Julie. Let's bring the food outside, you know, <laughs> just changing the subject. But it was strange because over the next couple of days, I was sort of, op- my mind was opening up that what can it hurt? I mean, I kind of got curious because she is, my sister-in-law is really intelligent. Um, and I was like, maybe, you know, maybe there's something here for me. And what is the risk? So how, how old were you at that point? I was 38. Okay. So this is at 30, you know, you're four decades into living and never had any, anything in this regard, right? That's right. Okay. And had a strong opinion, strong aversion of it, of this is a waste of money. I remember a friend telling me if she just got a reading and I was just like, this is so dumb. Mm. <laughs> Keep going. So I, so I said, yes, I called her back and she got me into her psychic within like a few days or something. Um, her psychic wasn't trying to guess like what was going on. She wasn't like trying to intuit why I was there. She knew from Julie and she said, well, first we're going to meditate. And I know you're here to talk about a career opportunity. So let's just meditate first. I'd never meditated. I didn't know what she was doing, but it seemed like forever. Mm. And then she opened her eyes and she turned on a little recorder because she recorded every session. Um, and she said, well, Jill, I know you're here about this you know, CEO opportunity, but here's what I'm getting. She said, anyone can be the CEO of that company, but only one person can be the mom to your kids. Mm-hmm. I still get emotional because it's humbling. The fact that I needed that reminder, Drew, is embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. But I did. <laughs> my brain works on personal competition with myself. Could I do that? Could I be good at that too? What if that, What if I could do that? What if I'm good at that too? Ooh, wouldn't that be cool, right? Just challenging myself in a, in a mental, intellectual kind of leadership kind of way. I love, I totally nerd out on that stuff. So, but she was right, right? I, my mm-hmm. kids were two and four at the time, two and five, so I was just like, oh my God. So that alone was kind of a whopper. And I totally agreed with her. She wasn't telling me what to do, right? She was just offering a completely different perspective than I'm this just, just curious. What if yeah. a man had told you that? I don't, I hope I wouldn't have had a different response. I, just, I don't. I, I, I wonder if it would have had the same impact because there's just even, know. even right there. Hmm this phenomenon of um, the the drive to be a mother and the drive to care for kids is so profound. And we have, we are in such denial about that reality and men, because we don't have it so much, we really don't understand it. We don't have the depth of connection to that. And I feel like a woman telling you that it comes from a pretty deep place, particularly at a time when we're all in denial about it. So I don't know. It's it's just an interest that because to me we may go back to this because that's just another intuitive spot mm. that we we don't pay attention to. We in fact marginalize in this country. But keep going. So go ahead. 
So I, you know, we got through that, the reason I thought I was there. And then she said, we talked for like another hour. Mm -hmm. She had information, the insights on a difficult relationship I have with one of my siblings um, that was really good. And it was just like, God, this is really useful. She's definitely offering things. And it wasn't, again, she wasn't trying to guess stuff. It wasn't that kind of reading. Mm-hmm. It was just this, it felt like a, like you said, a deep, soulful kind of insight that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Some of it was confirmation, but a lot of it was like, oh my God, that's true. Oh my God, that would work. Oh my God, I want to try that. Um, and then at one point in the reading, she said, yeah, I know you're all into this, you know, corporate strategic planning stuff and your part-time gig and tech, but I mean, you're not even tapping into your spirituality, to your soulful layers, and you have a lot of access there. You're deeply intuitive. Um, she mentioned this whole Jesus and Mary Magdalene story. I had no idea what she was talking about um, in terms of intuition or gifts or spiritual abilities. Or I didn't know anything about that. Um, but I got curious about that over time, too. And I think it was about six months later, I decided to sign up for a psychic development workshop because I was curious. And there were other kind of almost like supernatural things that I was starting to notice or that were starting to happen in my in my world. Um, one of my daughters read my mind and I it was so bizarre. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? It was kind of like my my reality was kind of shaking in a way and I wasn't faltering. I was so fascinated. Because wait, wait, tell, tell me the story about your daughter. Oh, what this happened? is crazy. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so. My younger daughter was probably two and a half or three at the time. She's sitting in my lap eating cereal for breakfast. I think no one was home. We didn't have any TVs on or anything. And this was right around the time. Do you remember when the Democratic National Convention, they were trying to decide if they were supporting Clinton or Obama? Mm -hmm. Obama was very new on the scene. Most people didn't even know his name in general conversation. And Georgia definitely didn't. So she's sitting in my lap and she said, are you on your phone? And I was like. No, I'm not on my phone. And she said, I thought I heard you. And I'm like, no, because I was just quiet. But I was thinking about a conversation with a friend later in the day because I wanted to see if he was curious about Obama. How old was your daughter? Three. Okay. Two, two and a half, maybe three. Yeah. Maybe just three, probably because it was that summer, fall-ish. And she said, why did you say Obama? I mean, Drew, I know when I'm thinking and when I'm talking out loud, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a very self-controlled kind of person. And I was just like, so there was a part of me going, what is happening? So I wanted to test her, right? So immediately, I had the same thought in my mind, Georgia, I love you so much. And she cuddled into me as if she had exactly heard what I was thinking. Okay. So here you are. This stuff's happening. Yeah. And... That started to, I mean, when your kid is reading your mind and you're a type A type person that can find fault and critical thinking and everything, because I'm always, I'm a perfectionist as well. There's nothing that will make you want to get your shit under, get your shit under control in your mind, like your daughter reading your mind. So I was kind of like, oh my God, what else is she picking up on? What else, you know, me being hard on myself or me being possibly critical of her or I want to help these amazing daughters be their best self. And what if I'm making it harder for them? So I started getting curious about this whole spirituality thing, um, started to be curious about meditation. 
And in that psychic development workshop that I, I was mainly there to, to understand what telepathy was and just in general, kind of curious about me. And then the very first, it's called a reading that I did, I'd never done one before, didn't know it was possible. Drew, I had a page of information that I was getting just by, I mean, the guy told us, don't think, close your eyes. And just almost like automatic writing. And for me, it was like learning to ride a bike I never even knew I could do. I, what, what was the task? I'm sorry, I'm missing it. So what, were you actually sitting with somebody or what, what was the task? Okay, I love these questions. So the teacher, he had been doing this a while. He's local in my area. And he had us, it's called psychometry. I don't use that anymore, but P-S-Y-C-H-O-M-E-T-R-Y. He had us each bring in two items of jewelry that we could answer questions about the person that owned the jewelry. And he had a whole system that we brought into, we put it on the back table, and we kept looking forward so we couldn't tell who brought what, right? I, we each took a turn, we went to grab the jewelry, and then we, this was like the final class of like three Sunday afternoon or something in a row. And he told us to just, you know, pick out a piece of jewelry, bring it back to your chair, start writing out whatever you're getting. He gave us some kind of uh, like green light, red light for yes or no, and just sort of some tips to help and, us see what we were getting. you been training for a month already. What kind of training had you been doing? Hmm. I don't know if I'd say training. Or, or I mean, it was whatever. It was. Yeah. So the other, the other Sundays you mean in that course? Yeah. I feel like he was, in retrospect, I feel like he was helping us tap into our our goodness, right? So he would have us do pay it forward things. Like if we were getting coffee that we pay for three cars behind us, just helping us feel like a maybe our better version of ourselves, more generous, more kind, maybe even angelic. Um, he was teaching us about what he calls the Claire's, claircognizant, clairvoyant, all those things. And even when he said, he was saying something about, we're going to help you find which one you are. And there was just this inner knowing I had of what he really means is he's going to help us find out which one we're best at. So I was already kind of correcting the teacher in a way with something I'd never even heard about. How did you pick the class? He had, he also did psychic readings in the area. So after I met with Julie's, I also met with him. Um, and he had, you know, month long waiting list or whatever. His reading was different. He is very talented. Um, but I just, he was also telling me like, you're really intuitive. I could help you with that. So again, part of me is like, they're just selling classes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But of course. I think it was mainly Georgia and that experience. Georgia, and my, your daughter. Yes. Yeah. And my curiosity about there's, there's a lot I thought I knew about mm. this reality and myself and how things work and what's, what's impossible. Th this but, reality, meaning the, the conscious reality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so we we clearly know that you know our brain has evolved to have a certain access let's say mm -hmm. to emergent reality such as it is in order to help us survive that's it that's all our brain does it it is it is designed to help us survive and in doing so it must be able to access this these emergent phenomenon that are really just expressions of wave mechanics and things and energy and whatever. But our brain is designed to access these emergent qualities to help us survive, period, end. But part of that is, and, and the unique thing about the human is the interpersonal part is massively yeah. 
intense and otherly and subconscious and bigger than we know, I suspect. And I think that's what you're getting into. So, um, so what, so what happened? You wrote what, what did you write down? So I still have the sheet somewhere. I'm very good friends with the woman I did the reading for. Um, there I got, I felt roller coaster and maybe it was more of a clairvoyant thing in that moment, but I just felt roller coaster. And he taught us if we're getting something like that. So then we had the opportunity to kind of, as an overachiever, what does roller coaster mean to you? Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's probably not that she likes roller coasters. Mm-hmm. So I was just like roller coaster. Oh, she's had a lot, a lot of high highs, a lot of lows, lows in her life. So I wrote that down. Um, I can't remember all the other things, but, um, I felt like her, maybe she had pain in her elbow and she did have shoulder pain. So I think I was wrong about that. And then I said, I, my right hip hurts. Do you have like hip pain? Cause I knew it was her ring, by the way, Drew, I said, I'd ask the teacher, can I say whose ring I think this is? And they all just were like, who is this woman? Why is mm-hmm. she in here? She's mm-hmm. not a beginner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it's your ring. And I pointed to her and she just goes, you know, she kind of nodded her head and her friends elbowing her like, oh my God, what's happening? I'll tell you in a minute why they were there. Um, so I'm just giving this reading. And when I got to the hip pain part, the teacher helped. Mm. And he said, Joe, what do you hold on your hip? And I was like, laundry, I don't know. And then I heard one of the other students say baby. Yeah. And I was immediately, and I said, and it hurt, right? And I yeah. said, I pointed to her and I said, did you lose a child? And I was already crying. She was already, she was bawling. And she's like, so Drew, she was there because her son, Brian Frost had been murdered walking home from the bars. He was a USC amazing student, former West Point, just amazing person. And he had been murdered in September of 2018. This was February, 2019. Right. So I'm so this whole thing is, is new for you. This whole thing, yeah. the whole phenomenon. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Yes. So, oh no. Oh wait. No, I'm sorry. I have the year wrong. I do this all the time. I'm horrible with numbers. My husband would be laughing right now. 2008. Okay. And 2009. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's okay. been over 10 years. Um, so this reading for her and part of her, part of Brian came through. So then now, now there's this mediumship opportunity and then it was just so bizarre. And I went to my corporate job the next day. It was just so weird. So crazy. So it feels like two different realities. It feels like two different worlds. I soon realized I have, you know, like if I ask myself interesting questions, like, is there life on other planets or whatever, I'm, I get these answers and it's like, Claire, it's just this knowing and all these little doorways kind of flap open. So I'm still reconciling it with my very MBA, very linear, logical, like, let's make sense of the side of me. But my whole sense of what's possible is completely shot. Interesting to me that a lot of these early intense experiences are with women. I just think women are just more, they have more of that wiring where that part of their brain is available to them and probably more of it in that part of the brain mm-hmm. because of again that's probably an evolved property to help to attune to these things we call babies that have no verbal or anything you have to be able to understand it without any of the the frontal lobe function you have to mm-hmm. intuitively understand these things and uh and i do think women share something that way because of that that I, it's hard for me to explain because i'm not a woman but but i i'm aware of it the reason this stuff is so interesting to me is uh, I was the subject of a very intensive psychotherapeutic process, and that felt very 
much like the stuff we're talking about. It felt sort of uncanny and I felt sort of hypnotized at times and time would contract and expand and things like that. And then I, out in my practice, was able to be uh, present for people in the same way, having been the object of that kind of thing. And, you know, it's easier to then open yourself to it for other people. And, And, you know, and I've talked to many people that do psychotherapy of various types who report the same thing, again, women more than men, uh, is that you hear things and smell things and feel things and mm-hmm. things occur to you that just, they're just not you. you. You could just, you learn how to see what's you and not you as these things are experiencing. And a very important psychotherapeutic technique is to bring skillfully, bring these things into the room, such as what you said, like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling some pain in my hip. I'm wondering if that has some meaning to you. And what, what I found interesting, you tell me if this doesn't happen to you, the patients or the, the clients that you work with, mm-hmm. the, the clients will start speaking about the source of the pain in a very matter of fact way. Like, like I remember one time I was, I said, you know, my back hurt right here. And, and the person goes, yeah, yeah, of course. That's where my dad used to kick me when he was physically abusive. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it was not fun, but not, they never go, how did you know? <laughs> they never go, they never seem astonished. They just seem like they're yeah. in it with you because they're in it with you. Well, of course you feel the pain because you're there with me. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that kind of, do you see that kind of experience? Um. I, I guess yes, a little bit. I'm not normally trying to guess people's pain, but normally what not comes. Yeah, I'm not guessing. I'm just feeling <laughs> it. I'm not, you just feel it, and then you go, "I wonder what that is," and they go, "Oh, I can tell you. Just of course, you're feeling my pain because we're, we're pain together." Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right. Though the majority of clients, I think it's when they listen to the recording, or maybe they listen to it with a loved one or a friend, that they're like, "How?" I mean, I had one client that I was helping her with her. Um, I think he was like a young adult son at the time. And he said, mom, how does she know me? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, so then you've obviously gone to work training yourself, right? And, what did, that ent- and what did that entail? Practice. Right. I, I really strongly, for whatever reason, felt led, even though I, I feel like that first teacher helped me remind myself or show myself what I could do. Um, And there was a part of me like, oh, well, I, you know, I should probably, you know, get good at this from a brain oriented linear learning kind of thing. But what I really wanted to do is just practice. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to see, like, does it work this way? Mm -hmm. Can I still connect if they're on the phone? Can I, do I need a picture of the person? Um, Do I need to, you know, I'm just kind of creating all these scenarios of does it work here? It's more like research. I was like, does it work here? Does it work there? Mm. When doesn't it work? And I was like, God, it always works. This and what, is and what did you and what did you imagine it to be at that point? Perhaps you're surprised to learn that health insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight. I've told you about it before. That even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with deductibles and copays. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expertise of an Air Medical Transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. And for a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you'll get up to a $75 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use that offer code Drew. You know, 52% of men over 40 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. And 
look, it can be a medical problem. It can be from all kinds of different things. And if you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, there's help. Roman is the digital health clinic for men. Roman offers genuine FDA-approved medication for as little as $4 per dose. At Roman, there are no waiting rooms, no hassle, just straightforward, convenient digital experience, which means you can take care of it all from the comfort of your home. That's right. There's nothing uncomfortable about it. Men hate going to the doctor, but... This makes it easy. Getting started is so simple. Just grab your laptop or mobile device and start your free online visit. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman sends it right to your door with free two-day shipping. Everything arrives in discreet packaging. Right now, Roman has a special offer for our listeners. Use this link to get 20% off your first order. Just go to ro.co slash drew today. That is ro.co, ro.co slash drew for 20% off. That's a good question. I I guess a part of me was fascinated by what am I beyond my really well-functioning brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't trying to attach it to, oh, this is spirit or, oh, this is God or, oh, this is, you know what I mean? I think I let that be neutral for me. Maybe mm-hmm. I let the experiment be more um, authentic in that way. I wasn't you know, trying to put words to it. I, I was, uh, I, again, I'm fascinated by this stuff, mostly because I've sort of, you know, been kind of in it. But um, do you know the uh, the Hollywood psychic kid, Tyler Henry? I have heard of him, yeah. Show? I ho- hooked him up to an EEG with a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, I watch very carefully what's, what people like you do, and one thing I've noticed is there's abnormal eye movements, things that are not typically physiological. There's a rotatory kind of quality and there's a mm-hmm. looking up and up and back to certain corners. Yeah. And, and, and it's, but it's not, it's not, I, I immediately it struck me as like, that's not something I've really seen before the way the eyes are moving, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like watching eye nystagmus when people are asleep, you know, rapid mm-hmm. eye movement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and lo and behold, when we hooked him up, the neuroscientist said he'd never seen an EEG like this. Uh, and it was, he was at once, his higher system was asleep and some parts of his lower system and his sort of parts of the temporal parietal region were, were hyperactive. Mm-hmm. So it was asleep. And hyper hyper vigilant at the same time. Vigilance is not the right word. Um, and so that kind of fit for me again. It's like this is sort of a. I, I really the smart thing I would do next. I think would look at somebody in a, in a hypnotic trance maybe and see if there's similarities there because it there is something. Do you have agree with me? There's something in hypnosis and meditation that is very similar. It can be, especially. It depends on how they're meditating. And this part might be harder to describe, but somebody's belief system about what's possible for them, for humanity, for this entire reality, I think affects what people do experience in meditation. I believe it also affects how they function literally in their everyday lives. Well, I, w- well, I want to hear more about that in a second, but but I also think with hypnosis, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. That you you are you are consciously actively engaging with the hypnotist because you want to you know you, you you're mm-hmm. you're in control of it in some sense. But but what what do you mean there? Tell me more about their daily lives. What do you mean by that? So what I've what I've come across, and you see me yeah, now that you're talking about <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, I do that all the time. People are like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "I don't know. <laughs> Just do that." Um, this what we think is true about who and what we are individually 
right? Our mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. our sense of self, our sense of incarnation, our sense of if there is a higher power, what is that? And what is what is it feeling and thinking? And what's my connection to that higher power? Is it outside of me or is it inside of me? All of these are what we often call beliefs. I believe those beliefs turn into operating systems. Mm, and they affect how we work. Oh, that's interesting. Can you can you uh, flesh it out a little more for me? Yeah, it's a fascinating idea. So, because you know what it does for me. It, it, I'm sorry to interrupt mm, you, but no, it, go ahead. You go when people talk about are we in a simulation? Mm-hmm. In a way, these operating systems are the simulation, but it's not a simulation that you are put in. It's a simulation of your own creation, sort of, sort of. But go ahead. And we don't realize we're making those choices and the effects yeah. it has on us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So I have because of my gifts. This was another weird part. There were the first kind of people to acknowledge and go, oh my God, look what Jill Renee Feeler can do. We've, you know, let's listen to what she has to say or let's get a session from her. Those were people that were already, I mean, their libraries are, their books are filled with metaphysical Very interesting that stuff. type yeah. topics yeah, yeah. versus the people that I normally hang out with and that I worked with. They're like, they probably, they're the same version of Jill. That's like, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or yeah. maybe I studied world religions. I guess that's possible and that, you know what I mean? That kind of analytical intellectual uh-huh. approach to it. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. So I had these people that wanted to meet with me and they, they came in right with a lot of really interesting operating systems. So I would hear things like, I finally got divorced. My ex is a total narcissist. What do I have to learn from that experience so Mm -hmm. that I don't do that again? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or what do I, you know, so their, their belief system, their operating system is earth as a school. That was a lesson I needed to have. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Jill, I just got cancer diagnosis for the third time. I clearly am not learning my lesson about cancer. Um, what am I, you know, Louise Hayes book says cancer of the ovarian, you know, means ovaries means this, you know, am I done with that? Tell me what the lesson is so I can fix this and not get cancer again. But you, but you might not be able to, right? Exactly. So I don't, I'm not, I didn't even know those operating systems existed. So I'm just like, wait, what? You think you needed to be with your narcissistic ex? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. how long were you with him? <laughs> like, I'm curious now. Anyway, so Isn't I- Isn't that sort of the way Indian culture, religious works? The sort of Hindu court of your sort of, your your souls come back and go through things they need, mm-hmm. lessons they need to go through. Okay. Now I know that. I didn't study that, but that's what I, so I see the effects of these operating systems, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm offering my intuition about, no, you never needed to be with him. Like I can totally, and I'm intuiting, I'm like, I could totally see why you fell in love with him. He was charming. He was this, he was that. And then he showed you his other layers. Mm -hmm. Maybe you weren't around with him enough to, or maybe he was really good at hiding those. Then he showed you the real you, then you have kids and you feel like, how do I get out of this? Mm. That wasn't a lesson you had to have, babe, you know? And she's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, yes. Okay. Now let's talk about what do you look for in somebody that's not a narcissist? We call that psychotherapy, by the way. I know, I know. I have clients that are psychiatrists. I have clients that are PhDs in psychology. I have lots of clients that are practitioners in this field. Mm. Um, I know. So this is that's the other weird part because my MBA brain that loved finance and economics and you know economic theory. (laughs) That part of me is just like this is so weird that yeah, that's what you're doing. But I didn't know that. 
Well, what, what else would you like people to know about what you're doing? Where, where do okay. we take this conversation? Because there's a million things we can talk about. The main, yeah, there are a million things. The main thing that I love for people to acknowledge is that you are more than your brain. You are more than your human training. Humanity has a lot of serious things we need to figure out, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's poverty, homelessness. I mean, we've, it looks like we've got the, the, um, famine issue, you know, under control in a lot better ways than we did 20 years ago, but it's not over disease, suffering, et cetera. We all have availability to be a more transcendent version of ourselves in our parenting roles, in our relationships, everything. We are more than our current state of self. And my sense is if we not try and not work, don't use the brain in this, allow for you to kind of fall into what's another version of me I could be here because I don't like the me I'm being when my kid is lying to me or when their room is messy or at work when my boss is driving me crazy or this client that's always at my ass, right? So, so is, it, this- is it stepping outside of yourself? What, what is that? What is this? Describe what it is you're talking about. To me, it's almost like there's a part of us, I love metaphors, that when we are really overachieving and high achieving and success oriented and very brain focused, it's almost like we're leaning forward, like all the time. And the transcendence to me is almost like the sitting back. It's curious, it's contemplative, it's wondering like, huh, I wonder what I could be in this moment. Because the brain is just ready to go. The brain's on loops. The brain yeah. has a lot of programming and success and it thinks the past is the future. So there's all these opportunities for us to just slow down. Let the, I had to slow down my brain literally and recreate the rhythm, the pattern of my thinking so that it made more room for the part of me that's like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, that, that car is going to go right in our lane. Okay. Hang on, Jeff. That car is coming over. Mm. Right? Yeah. And, and so do you think people should be meditating more? Are they reading more about this? How, do, how does the average person access some of this material? I, lo- I love to make things really simple. And right. I don't want to send them off in the goose chases that go down some really dark, weird rabbit holes. Ask yourself more questions. The ver- and pick something hard. Ver- the version of you that you like the least, where you feel the least likable, like you, like, oh, this part of me is so cringy. I don't like to be this version of me. Literally, that's probably on a loop too. So it's going to happen every day or regularly. In that moment, literally just let yourself close your eyes for a second and go, what else can I be here? Mm -hmm. Right? It it feels like stepping outside or something though. It's not, but you don't want us outside of ourselves, right? I I discourage that because, but I get the sense. I, I mean, I get that I get that temptation because the brain, right, is thinking it's the primary. So the brain is like, I've got to get out of me, but you're not, you're, you are not your brain. You are more than your brain. So it's getting outside the wavelengths almost of the brain into a wider range of you that has a smoother, deeper rhythm and has better ideas about everything. How are these things different from hypnosis? I didn't study hypnosis, so I can only I can only talk anecdotally. Some of my clients are hypnotists and nutritionists that use hypnosis with their clients, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, what I understand is that hypnosis is still very reliant on the operating systems and the knowledge of the practitioner and the person, the client. I, from what I'm gathering, I don't, and I've been, well, somebody tried to hypnotize me once. I don't even know if it was successful. 
I, I don't feel like you're access, accessing the transcendence, but you might be accessing the subconscious. And to me, they're different. It is I think people get, I, I'm getting confused by the term transcendence. It, it mm-hmm. is, and I, and I get your leaning in and leaning forward metaphor or actual mm-hmm. physical reality. Um, it, it, when you say transcendence, people immediately start to think in sort of a religious or spiritual mm-hmm. sense. Is there an overlap with that? And can you, or can you get clear about transcendence? I'm probably using the word in my own way. So I'm sure there are spiritual and um, very well-designed texts about that. Obviously there's transcendental meditation. Um, the individuals that I know that study that for decades, they don't seem to be any happier, or more Zen-like <laughs> than anyone else I know. So I don't know if yeah. that works. I'm using transcendence as a hypothesis that there is an amazing version of all of us, Drew, that we regularly don't access because we forget it's there. It's not part of our operating system. We don't believe in it or we don't allow for it. So to me, transcendence is as simple. And most of us have an example of when you were talking to somebody or write it. Well, not you, because you do this all the time. But most people, if you ask them, was there a moment when you were talking to somebody or communicating with somebody? And it was like these words just came to you. Mm. And they were perfect. Mm-hmm. And your brain was like, I can't wait to see what I say next. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. That to me is transcendence. We all have access to it. And it makes me fascinated because what if a scientist, right? I mean, yeah. I could talk all day with you about COVID and the nonsense that was happening there because my alarm bells were at the beginning. I had to step away from it because I was literally losing my Jill to just the frustration and the anger of how ridiculous it all was. Anyway, so this opportunity though, that all of us, a scientist working on cancer research, right? Somebody studying climate change, um, somebody that's helping, you know, ad- addicts recover, right? Addiction recovery. That's mm-hmm. totally, you know, you know all about that. Mm-hmm. What if some of those people are allowing more of the, the transcendence? And what if somebody that is an addict that's trying to recover allows their transcendence? Well, I it's interesting. That idea. Yeah. Well, you did. Well, you did. You're you're in the sweet spot with that because you know transcendence and that something something bigger than self is a core principle in getting people through this disease of addiction and and typically when people do recover they feel like something did sort of step in mm-hmm. a b when dealing with somebody with addiction you can't rely on the usual exchange the the words that are coming out of their mouth are total bullshit they are manipulating you emotionally on all levels and I had to learn to trust whatever came out of my mouth. And mm-hmm. sometimes things came my mouth, out of my mouth when dealing with bad addicts would shock me. I'd be just shocked by <laughs> things I would say. I would just like, oh, my God. And, and it would shock the patient, too. And they'd look at me. And sometimes I thought they were going to swing at me. But it was never that. It was always the right thing. And because it was something so deeply touching, the something real about them, they often would feel understood for the first time in a long time. Plus they couldn't understand themselves because they didn't know what was real and what wasn't because their disease was spinning them. And to somebody to reach in and go, Hey, that's bullshit right there. They'll go, Oh my God, how'd you know? They feel felt for the first time. And that's a very important thing to do in dealing with addicts. You're absolutely correct about that. So, so for me though, and maybe you can explain this to me. I, I, I now I get what you're talking about. And, and that experience is something I always, and maybe this is just me, but it's always with somebody else, or at least 
if not somebody else, an audience, you know, some, some, mm. ex, some human exchange, it's in a context of intersubjective exchange. Is that what you're talking about? Or is that just me? It can be because if you have access to it with others, then you definitely have access to that. I call it a wider, not higher. Cause some people do higher. I like wider, a wider version of you, even when you're alone. I, I totally, I love being by myself. I, I, I make myself laugh, right? There's a range of me that when I'm thinking something, another range of me is thinking something else kind of in contrary, or that's ridiculous. That doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh my God, that's true. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's this really expanded, you know, refreshing, honest, loving, um, is still intelligent, you know, interaction that I'm having with these, we're all so many layers, right? Yeah. And part to me of transcendence and really allowing an operating system that's a, that's a, let's say functional, high functioning version of it, you reduce the fragmentation. Yeah. So fragmentation is these layers that are separated. And by the way, addicts, Drew. Yeah, all fragmented. Oh my God, they're yeah. so fragmented. And plus yeah. it was shown to me with somebody that he was, he's been in recovery for like 30 years from alcohol, but I, I have, I have an addict in my family. So I know the story, you know, mm-hmm. the lying, the deception that every time mm-hmm. they call, just like, okay, what's this, what's the, go- what's <laughs> yeah, the goofy what story this time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they've been hijacked. Yeah. Addiction oh, yeah. is like a hijacker on a Oh, plane. I use that word all the time. That's oh, the word good. I use. Yes, yeah. it yeah. works so well. Yeah. So a parent that's losing their temper, road rage, it's all hijacking. Mm-hmm. There's a, in it, to many people that they, if they can relive that moment of anger, rage, um, you know, totally under this, it's like being under a spell. And if you ask them, did it feel like a part of you was in the background? So in the therapy sessions that you mentioned, where you mm. said something that to you felt possibly irresponsible and shocking, mm. it's almost like it shocks that almost like the real them, the authentic them that's in the background mm. of themselves Yes, to the forefront. Like yeah. Wait, what just happened? Cause yeah. you, they got around the spell. Yeah. It brings them in. That's right. And, yes. and, it, and it's deeply meaningful to them too, because mm-hmm. they have trouble accessing that, accessing that. And the fact that somebody else can do it and see it is, an opportunity for them to trust really what it builds. Yeah. So, so we're really talking about intuitive psychology at this point, but what do you think is happening in these more peculiar moments where you're reading rings and, and, you know, reading things and stuff like that? What, what is all that? That's it. I mean, it could be that, I mean, cause that was just that one time. I don't think I ever held, held anyone's jewelry again. Maybe when I practiced uh, when I was visiting family and I was curious if our, my grandmother, dad would come through. Um, would they? I, what did, did they? they? And, yeah. and, and if they did, yeah. what is that? What is that? And what their is that? mom, I know exactly. He was super loving. And what is that? What, what I know, what through? is it? Okay, <laughs> so to me, there is a timeless range of us that operates far beyond our, our human body suit. So, so it's That's... a function of t- time being a, a not real construct. Is it that? Hey, this, it might even be big. Well, let me, let me toss this out and see how you feel. All about right. this. All right. What if there's a range of us that operates beyond all of space and all of time and all of space and time operates in a spherical shape. Okay. Which we, which, which is a reasonable concept of space time, right. Mm-hmm. But that some experiential part of us exists separate from that. Mm-hmm. So what if the widest range of you that operates beyond space and time 
is the most, let's say, creative and creator energy. And well, what I if- do know when I've been in these sort of hypnotic states, whether in therapy or actually being hypnotized, time expands and contracts all over the place. Time is just completely distorted. So yeah. I do know our brain can access experiences that are maybe more real because time is just a biological thing. Um, so interesting. So it is something about time. Okay. Yes. Okay. Or at least so, temporality. So what if, and this is my favorite hypothesis, that widest range of you made a Drew so that it could be you in this space, in this time mm-hmm. as you, and that you have a lot of creative license in what that is. You didn't have to study medicine, but you did. You probably soulfully wanted to help other people and you do. And there were so many ways that you could do that, right? So this, this amazing factor that we have a self, we get to be in space and time is trip. It's, this is amazing. And it can go horribly bad. It can go horribly wrong and it can go wildly well, right? We can feel like there's nowhere else we'd rather be. Like there's no one else we'd rather be. And that to me is, is an outcome of feeling that transcendence is I'm so glad I get to be me. And I only want to use it for the good of myself and the good of others. And what if there's some things we could tweak and tune and make better here? Any sort of, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of minutes here. Any sort of recommendations to people? Again, I was sort of saying, do you read? Do you look? What do you you want people to do other than to take a beat and think? Question your mind, question your thoughts. Um, Where you are, hard on yourself and where you are less than you want to be, watch for your excuses. They're probably just some bullshit story that you're telling yourself. And there could be a completely other expression of you that you could create on the fly through trial and error and allowing yourself to experiment and allowing yourself to get out of your own way. And those bad patterns, bad habits can become easier to overcome, easier to avoid. And you allow yourself through process and through experimentation, through experience to continuously hone and fine tune who and what you are. I'm such a better version of Jill. I still want things perfect, but I, I admit, I admit to myself, they're not. Is there an awareness that we should have of our, you'd mentioned early in this conversation, something about a collective spirit or something. Mm -hmm. Is there anything we should try to be aware of there in terms of our relation to others? I don't like the idea of we're all one. So I'm, I'm more probably anti than I am pro because I've seen so many instances of how a lot of operating systems beliefs don't work. Um, If you allow yourself to consider in a non- reckless way that you have the power of something greater than you can ever imagine and that you're a part of that right so to me it's not arrogant because you're not trying to use it that you're better than anyone else you want the best for everybody and you're allowing this bigness this possibility this creative I I use the word godly, but it's not in the context of a specific religion. I just don't know what else to call it. And, and is is are you saying that service to others is the access or is no, the way to open not, to it? Not necessarily no? because that falls into martyrdom. Some people are trying to be godly by killing themselves. Right, right. And constantly, see what I mean? So there's so many traps to this. That's why I'm almost hesitant to give that kind of advice mm. because there's so many ways through where the sense of 
of godliness is the term that I use. I don't care what people use. I have atheists that are supported by my work. That sense of there's something better than me and it's out there. That's mm-hmm. problematic, right? Mm-hmm. So the sense of, is it in you? And that's some of my problems with the, with a lot of the, well, I think all the global religions mm-hmm. is you're not that you need that outside force or you're totally like, you're really screwed. But you but you, said like, you said, but wishing the best for others. And I think about you buying the coffee for the cars behind you. Yeah. That, that, that to me is sort of the zone of service. Maybe we need a different language for that. Just, That's true. I guess maybe it's why, right? Are you trying to act godly when you know you're not? Mm. <laughs> right? Or are you just wanting to do a good thing because you can and because it makes you happy to do other things to good? And, and that opens you more people. to some of these things, right? I think so. That. Okay. So I, I think we're saying the same thing. Okay. I just, we're just using different words, which is just, <laughs> just staying in this positive, almost wish for yourself and others. And be accountable. Right? Yeah. When you're less yeah. than yourself, say you're sorry to yourself, say you're sorry to others, right? This, this is all, this is all, just, you know, it's all just basic, you know, living a good life, uh, you know, philosophy of the good, good psychology, all this stuff is just principles that have kind of been around, right? I mean, you know, how you, how you act, how you access and, and, and experience them is different, but, but these concepts are not brand new. They're not. I think it's, I think it's might be the method drew. And again, I'm not as well versed in what else is out there. So I don't know. All I know is that I have clients that have studied a, a lot. I mean, they're very well read. They're very well astute in what's going on in world philosophy and so forth. And they're like, Jill, you just took a year's worth of therapy and put it in one session. Right, right. 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 So there's that, something about the easy access. I want this. I want everybody to have better access at being an amazing version of themselves where they're like, oh my God, I didn't even know I could do that. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, if people want more, where should they go? Uh, my website is jillreneefeeler.com. I'm a hoarder at this point. I create so much content. I apologize <laughs> that there's a lot there and you're going to get lost in there, but there's a lot there. Um, obviously, social media is where I put out little quickies, but there's a lot available for us at jillreneefeeler.com. Fantastic. Uh, Jill, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's, it's exactly kind of what I wanted and where I thought we were going to go. In fact, maybe more because it's also. Um... It, it seems uh, spot on from the standpoint of what I understand health to be. And so I, I like that. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, everybody, we'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or Dr. Dr. Drew.com.